0: It is so great to be here with you today. And uh, again, I just want to, again, welcome each of you here. I'm so grateful that even with a little bit of time change, the one that we don't enjoy, the one where we lost that hour of sleep, you were able to make it. And I just believe God is going to bless you today. For those who are online, we want to welcome you as well. My name is Pastor Todd. And along with my wife, Jen, we are the lead pastors here today. And I want to thank you for praying for me Uh, As tomorrow, I will be leaving to go to Nairobi, Kenya. It's going to be about a day and a half of flying uh, to get there. Um, But I do believe that God has an assignment uh, that he's given me to do. But as well, as even you heard the the prophetic word, I believe that God has something that he's going to reveal to me, give to me, to bring back here to Calgary to share with you. And, And so continue to lift us up in prayer. God speaks to you about uh, even uh, giving a little bit early towards Mission Sunday type stuff, uh, we would greatly appreciate it because the work of the ministry it does take resources. Amen. I want to just share this with you before I jump into my word the, the word today. I just felt the Lord uh, want to encourage you as well that he says to those of us today that I believe God's desiring even to meet with us in more significant ways. And the word that the Lord gave me is that those who seek me will find me. God is saying that as we seek him, as we reach out to him, we will experience more of him. And he says as well in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is really for God himself, you will be filled. And I just want to encourage you, allow God to increase and to make your hunger grow deeper for him, because as you do so, God is going to meet with you in new and significant ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I want to start off uh, our our new series today by telling you a story, uh, and a little bit of a story about uh, my dog. I like to talk about my dog. She's kind of become (laughs) my thing that I I do. There she is. My wife did that. She didn't, she snuck that in there. I want you to know that life, we all know that life can be busy, right? In fact, I think since we have, uh, I've experienced this myself, I don't know if you would relate to this. But kind of since things opened up from all of the shutdowns that we experienced with COVID, it it just seems like things kind of opened up and went crazy really fast. And and, and so when it's difficult, uh, when we get busy, it's, it's difficult to find time for extra activities or additions to the family like owning a pet. How many of you would love to own a pet? You've thought about owning a dog, but you're like, we just don't have time for it. We just can't make the time for it. I bet there's many of you that have made that statement. Well, that's how I was for many, many years. And I know most of you now are aware that we do have a dog, a beautiful long-haired chihuahua that you didn't get to see that she had long hair because she was put in a ridiculous outfit there. And her name is Taffy. And today is Confession Day. I think it's always good to confess to people, be honest with people. It's biblical. It's biblical. And the confession that I have is that I did not initially want her. Uh, Actually, I didn't want any pet because of how busy we were as a family. But for years, my wife had planted seeds about us owning a dog. Truthfully, she more than planted seeds. I'm not kidding you when I say this. She had been buying dog outfits. She had been buying beds. She had been buying uh, dog uh, uh, toys for over two years before we even had a dog. Now that is faith. Would you say that's faith? <laughs> and through propaganda, she incited our children to ask, even beg for a little dog to be added to our family. Well, I held firm for many years. I was just, I'm a strong man, I want you to know that. <laughs> Until one night there was a family intervention beating down my last resolve with empty promises. And alligator tears. When I say empty promises, you know what I'm talking about. Dad, we'll do all of the work. We'll take care of the dog. We'll clean up after the dog. We'll feed the dog. We'll walk the dog. Oh, well, I mean, I heard it all. It was just such a great story. We'll not do anything for the dog. And of course, I was given titles like father of goodness and kindness and mercy and grace. But I conceded, and my concession was this. Okay, I'll, I'll let you guys finally get a dog. I've, I, can't, I can't take it anymore. As long as we get a real dog. A German Shepherd. A Black Lab, a Border Collie. You know, a man's dog, not a little ankle biter. Did not want <laughs> a little yappy dog. I just didn't want that. And with my point being ma- made and my resolve being strong, I gave in and we brought Miss Taffy into our home, a five pound bundle of joy. (laughs) Now my biggest fear in adopting the pet was not that I would not love her, but I would love her too much. And sure enough, within a short time, this little dog had stolen my heart and adopted me. And even though she loved everyone in the family, and here's what my point is today, I was her master. I know it's hard for my wife to hear this today. Pray for her. (laughs) Even though dogs love everyone in their family circle, I I, I find that they can only have one master. Today, we're going to start a new series called The Tale of Two Masters. And the idea behind this, and kind of our, our subtitle is this, Master Your Money Before Money Masters You. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus shared this. He says, no one can serve two masters, for he will, either, he will hate the, either hate the one and love the other, or else will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, the Bible discusses money and possessions almost more than any other subject. You might find that hard to believe. In fact, it, just, it talks about it more than it talks about prayer salvation, sin, heaven and hell, all combined. Think about that. Think about that. The Bible mentions money more than it talks about prayer and salvation. And nobody here would argue about that we should teach and preach about prayer and salvation, would we? We would never think about that. But yet when we talk about money, sometimes we can get a little bit uncomfortable. Why is it so important? Why is it important to God? Because it impacts so many parts of our life. You can agree with me, could you not? Money issues, money stress is a big reason that people struggle. It causes struggles in relationships. In fact, many marriages break down because of money issues. Money stress is real and can cause sleepless nights, insomnia, anxiety, anger, and even depression. Now, the goal of this series, I want you to understand this, is not to to guilt you into giving more money, but to help you understand how to to gain control of your finances so that you can experience greater freedom, joy, and peace. Who would like more freedom in your life, more joy, and more peace? That's at the heart behind this. But here's what we have to understand. Just like Taffy, you can only have one master. You will serve one and hate the other and your one master that God's called us to have is Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, in Matthew six twenty four, Jesus says that you cannot serve both God and mammon. I, I know we had another translation up here today. Many biblical uh, our Bibles translate the word money. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what the word mammon is. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about the fact that we're called no longer to be slaves. That God, we, we, we talked about that in our last ser- series, that we're not to be slaves, but we're to be sons and daughters, that we're called to be sons and daughters of God. Am I right about that? You see, God does not want us to be a slave to anything, especially money. But we have to understand, where did slavery begin? How, where, where was slavery established? How did it really come into the world? Well, we we have to go back in history and see what happened with man and with people. You see, for the most part, of history, society has been agrarian or built around agriculture. Farming is how we would know that. You see, industrialization and urban living are really relatively new norms. They're not things that have been historically the way that people lived, except for maybe the last hundred years, it's kind of become more of a thing. And for century. Agriculture was the means by how, which everybody lived. And so in order to survive, we have to think about this. How did people survive? Well, they, they needed crops to be bountiful. They needed their herds to be fruitful. And a season of lost harvest or, or famine could mean starvation and even death. And for those who could produce better crops or whose animals were more fruitful, it gave you protection, protection prominence and prosperity but here's what the challenge was for the early people on the earth was they didn't have great irrigation systems herbicides pesticides and what we use today to protect against crop failure which is not even a guarantee I know if I were to talk to some people here they would yeah they would agree with that but like today it was also impossible to control the weather who here would like to control the weather a little bit more I mean I don't know about you, but I'm tired of shoveling the snow right now. I mean, I've been here a long time, but it's actually in my driveway. It's over my head now. It's pretty crazy. You see, it was impossible to control the weather, whether there would be floods, drought, hail, high winds. All of those things are always a part of being a farmer. and, And that's why farmers, if you notice, most of the time... Are people of faith. Why? Because there is such a dependence upon God to protect and take care of the crops. You you don't have any other choice, or do you? You see, here was the question that all of those farmers face for their livelihood Would they depend on God? Would they depend on Jehovah to be their source? Would they continue to put God, the creator of the universe, first in their lives? You see, the God who expected them to honor him with righteous living and, to, and giving to him their best and first fruits and good seasons and even bad seasons, would they continue to do that no matter, no matter what happened? And we, we know from history that people struggle with that. How do I know that? Because we still struggle with those things today. You see, if you weren't going to turn to Jehovah, if you weren't going to turn to God, you then have to turn to a God of your own creation that, allow, that would allow you to live how you wanted, keeping the best of the harvest for yourself. I mean, think about it. I, I've thought about this at times. We, we, we don't live in a society where we do burnt offerings anymore. We're not under that, the, the law of that situation but think about burning up some of your animals. It would be crazy, especially if you had a lot of need in your life or offering up your grain, just giving it to somebody. It would seem crazy. And especially if you've had some bad years of harvest, there'd be disappointment that maybe God, who you've been praying to, didn't really come through like you thought he should. You see, those challenges are real. And this was the challenge that people faced then. And can I say it this way? Those are the challenges that we face now. Do we trust God and continue to put our our trust in him in every part of our lives? Or do we look to ourselves or other things for our security? And here they were. They were at a crossroads. Those people who desired to be free from control of sacrificial standards and desired to live... uh, um, live without God, design restrictions, had to find another way. And so what did they do? They just, their other way was to design a God in their own image. A God who would provide for them the ability and freedom of how they wanted to live. You see, idol worship, we don't understand this because we don't think about it this way. Idol worship is always self-serving and looks to find freedom and blessing in man-made and man-focused standards. You see, idolatry is an attempt for people to find fulfillment and purpose without God. I can do it my own way. And so you see in places, some, some of them have thousands of gods. Why each one of those gods represents something that people are like, I want that, I need that, but I don't want to do it God's way. I, I, there's got to be a different way. And looking for freedom outside of God inevitably leads to bondage and slavery. In fact, if you study history, if you study the history of religion, you study the history of other belief systems, within one generation, every form of idol worship or false religion created subjugation and servitude or slavery for its followers. You look around the world today, you see it. You see those places where there's the most false worship are in some of the worst living conditions in the planet. Go look at the 1040 window. You see, we were designed to depend on God, not on our position, not on our property, not on our money. We were designed to depend on God for everything that we need. Can I hear an amen? I know it's a little quiet now. <laughs> you see, dependence on God even though it can feel like or it can seem like in moments that God requires things of us and he asks things of us, it can, it can feel like it might be a form of slavery, but the reality of it is, is that it leads to true freedom. And we're going to talk about this here in a bit. You see, the promise was given that if you honor God, you will find blessing. And that's why Jesus said to who, those who are following, those who are listening to his teaching, you cannot serve God And mammon. So what is mammon? I I mean, the the easy answer, because we see it in other translations, is that it's money. But I want to tell you today that mammon is more than money. Mammon is a spirit, a a demonic entity that builds an unhealthy attraction and dependence on money, wealth, and material possessions. And I know we don't think about that in North America a lot. We don't think about spiritual forces. We don't think about the, 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 the demonic realm. But there are evil and powerful spirits out there that have been built up for centuries because of people worshiping them and giving to them. And, and the, tr- the, the reality here in North America is that we do the same. We just don't call them the same things. But we get trapped. By many of the same things. And my heart today, as we talk about the spirit of Mammon, is I want to expose it to you so that you can resist it and overcome it. You see, some scholars cite Mammon as the name of the Syrian and Chaldean god of wealth and riches, which was also similar to the Greek god Plutus. Now, Plutus was not only the lord of magnificent fortune that could turn a man's heart sour with envy and jealousy. But he was also associated with the underworld that released bountiful crops as well as minerals that came from the earth. When you worship Plutus, they believe that he would bring forth greater harvest, that he would provide for you gold and diamonds and riches, so that if you honored him and made sacrifices to him, you eventually would have everything that you need and maybe even more. It was mammon who could make you rich. He was arrogant, prideful, a lustful entity that cared little for anything but the pursuit of riches at all costs. And what was the cost? What what is the cost even for us? Well, the cost of, how about peace in our hearts? The cost of relationships, loving relationships, at the cost of your character and decency, your soul, and even at the cost of human life. You see, mammon doesn't care who or what is destroyed, only that its appetites are fulfilled. And if, 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 if it finds need, if it's left unchecked, it will inevitably produce greed. Now I'm going to get into the, what were the darkest places that we see. it. It's the spirit that's behind. Listen to me. Prostitution. It's the spirit that's behind pornography. It's the spirit that's behind the drug trade. It's the spirit that's behind the mob rule. It's the spirit that's behind a lot of other destructive behavior. Why? Because what happens is people get involved in wanting to make money and they don't care who or what they destroy to get it. Mammon doesn't care who or what is destroyed, only that its appetites are fulfilled. It abuses people for its own gain. Now, the reality is if the spirit is out there, it's always trying to draw people in. And maybe we're not talking for the people that are sitting in this congregation today about, about prostitution and mob rule and those things. But mammon can also make can, can, can lead seemingly normal people to do strange things. You see, if we have a need in our life, we're either going to go to God or we're going to go to something else. If we have a need to feed our family, we're either going to depend on God or we're going to look to something else. If we have a need to to pay our bills, we're either going to look to God or we will begin to look to something else. And it can make modest, reserved people begin to live wildly or without discretion. It can influence, influence intelligent people to make irrational and illogical decisions. i want to share this to you today. How many of you uh, back in the day ever received an email from an African prince claiming that you are the next of kin and you will receive a large inheritance? Oh, you got one of those too. I thought maybe I was the only one. No. And all you needed to do, remember all you needed to do was send some banking information pay a few taxes, and they would deposit it to your account. Uh Uh-huh. If it's too good to be true, what? It's too good to be true. But here's what we don't realize. There was a spirit behind that, and here's what the spirit is. The spirit behind the email was to scam or steal money from unsuspecting, innocent people, people that, that were probably, for the most part, minding their own business, But also, by beginning to place, oh, I could get rich, eyes open, I just have to do this. And we think that it is, you know, we all go, yeah, I would never do that. But there are people that did. I had a family member that ended up in the last five years sent $65,000 because he's going to get a new car from sending money to one of these things. See, it's a spirit It wants to steal and kill and destroy. It kind of sounds like somebody we've heard about in the Bible, doesn't it? Now, don't get me wrong. I want to say this. We could all use a bit more money. Who could use a bit more money and resources in your life? You know, nobody wants to raise their hand now because they're like, is this a trick? Is this a trap? Is, this a, is that the right answer? No, it is. I, I, I would love to have more money. But does your need for money or possessions control you? You see, here's the question. Are money issues robbing you of peace? You see, that's not God. Are money issues impacting your relationships? That's not what God's desire is. Are money issues tempting you to compromise or change your convictions? Are money issues leading you to question God about his goodness and who he is. Oh, we say, oh, I would never get into those crazy things. But see, it's he's subtle. He tries to pull on our hearts and our, our, our minds and our spirit and even get us to the place. And I know that even I've been there in my life where I've gone through some difficulties. Things haven't gone the way that I thought they would. And the enemy's always trying to whisper, you don't need to trust him. But God's let you down before See, that's the spirit of mammon at work, because mammon wants to rule everything, your heart, and influence your desires, and interfere with your relationship with God. Mammon doesn't care about you, but seeks to be your master. See, where putting God first grants freedom, putting money first produces bondage and slavery. And here's where I want to go with this last part of my message today, is that we have to be aware that it can sneak into our lives in subtle ways if we're not aware of it or its power. I see a lot of people I know that don't realize it. But there's things that are controlling them, and God's saying, Just trust me. Put your trust in me. So, how do we break the hold of mammon? Well, let's go back to chapter or to verse 19 of chapter 6. And Jesus shared this. He says, Don't Store up treasures here on earth where moths and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. I like the word vermin that they had in the other one. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Where your eye is healthy, your body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if light, if you think, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is! No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other; you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So, how do we break the spirit of Mammon? What do do we do? And we're going to kind of go through this over the next few weeks because God is good and he wants people to be free. But we start off by, by what, what did Jesus say here? Well, the first thing he was talking to us about was he said, first of all, focus on what is eternal. When I was growing up, we lived in a, in a house that had a basement storage. It wasn't, didn't have stairs to it, but you had to go outside. You'd go into it. It was more like a cellar, if you understand what I'm talking about. And when we went to move, we we uh, discovered that most of the forgotten treasures that we had had acquired a bad case of mold and mildew. I mean, these are like things that we were hoping to take with us, but we were storing them in the basement. Almost everything we had saved was corroded and worthless. It had been destroyed. I know one of the statements that people have always have shared with me over the years is that when you die, you can't take it all with you. (laughs) You see, because our existence here on earth is limited to time and space, it's hard to think about eternity. It's hard to understand eternity. But most of the things that we see, the things that are around us, the things that we put a lot of our energy and our time into, we have to remember that our eyes are, that are temporary, and they're not going to go with us into eternity. So Jesus says, store it for yourselves, treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. You see, when we invest our time, our talents, and our treasure into things that are eternal, we store up for ourselves treasures or rewards in heaven that cannot be destroyed. So what are eternal activities? Number one, the word of God, knowing the Bible. Did you know that the Bible, the word of God, is eternal? Which means that every God breathed word in his book will remain for eternity. When we read the Bible, it releases life and produces transformation. It's one of the reasons that we gather together on Sundays is so that the word can be shared because there's eternal truth that is being given to people. You and I are being prepared for eternity. So let's invest in the word as much as we invest in our RSPs. Another eternal activity is sharing the gospel. Not only do we receive the word, not only does God give us the word, not only does God strengthen us through the word, he wants us to share the word with other people. You see, because souls are eternal, every human being, every person that you see around you has an eternal destiny. And our job is to let him know that Jesus is here, that he loves him, and that he's there to save them, and he has life for them. When we share God's word so specifically Specifically, the life and person of Jesus, which is called the gospel, we're investing in the souls of people. God says that when we share the truth of the Bible with people, his word does not come back void, or it doesn't go without having impact. When we support the preaching and teaching of the word of God, we're investing in what is eternal. It is why we support local outreaches and world missions. It's why I'm going to Kenya, because God wants to speak his word to everybody. It's why we give and support the preaching and teaching of the word in Calgary and around the world. The third thing that's eternal is the kingdom of God, establishing the kingdom of God. See, as as his people, we're commissioned to bring his kingdom or his rule and reign to earth. The kingdom of God is righteousness. What is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we honor God and we put him first, we establish his righteousness. We release his peace and we produce his joy in every situation. We need to focus on what's eternal. Secondly, we need to guard our hearts that says, watch what goes into your heart. You see, whatever it is that your heart is attracted to, whatever it is that your heart is attached to, that's what your treasure is. The things that you think about, the things that you spend your time pondering and, 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 and investing your life in, those are the thing that you really truly value is what God says. Where you spend your money. You see, whatever consumes our time and our finances is where our heart is located. You see, money is never the problem. I wanna repeat that. Money is never the problem but allowing the need or desire for money to rule our lives is. When money is on the throne of our heart, anxiety, worry, and frustration are sure to follow. When we worry about money and our provision, it weighs down our hearts. When we look to money to give us confidence or prominence, our heart can become prideful. Who has what? I've got more than you, you've got less than me. People do all sorts of crazy things. When we hoard money or become jealous Of what others possess, we develop a greedy or stingy heart. You see, a crowded or ancient heart releases all sorts of nasty things. But here today, I'm believing that God wants to give us freedom. Freedom from our desires. Freedom from the bondages that that, that the enemy wants to put on us. Freedom from worry and anxiety. You see, when God is on the throne of your heart you will experience only peace, not only peace, but find his grace and solutions. And I believe this, I believe there are some people here today, you need some solutions to some situations in your life. Some of you need some solutions to what to do even for your finances. And I'm here to tell you that as you put your trust in God, that God is gonna continue, he wants to release new grace and peace for you so that you can understand what his desire is. He has a plan for you. So lean into him because God cares about you. And that's my last point. How do we break control of the spirit of mammon as we put our trust in God for our provision? We all know the scripture, Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. What most people don't realize is that Matthew 6.33 was in a whole chapter about not worrying, but not worrying about what? Not worrying about how we're going to be taken care of. Not worrying about where our stuff was going to come from. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you. What, what are we called to do? Well, we're called to put him first in every part of our life, our relationships and our priorities and also our finances. You see, when we put God first, it shows we trust him and it breaks the power of the enemy and allows God to add everything that we need in every part of our life. You see, we cannot serve two masters. The Bible says we will love one and hate the other. You see, your affection will be towards whatever occupies your time and your treasures. I know that we all have needs. In fact, what I've been aware of more than anything with the rise of inflation, with the challenges that are going on in the world with people and and, and where we're at, the cost of living has just gone crazy. I know that there's a lot of fear out there, I know that there's a lot of anxiety, I know that there's a lot of worry out there, but I'm here to tell you today, the way that you move forward is to put God first. The way that you press through these things and come out on top is you put your trust in God and you let God be God and take control over these situations. I believe that God has the answers for everything that you and I need. I believe that God is our provider. But who are you leaning on today? Is God your source or are you looking to money for your provision? And maybe today the spirit of mammon has been nipping at your heels. I'm going to close with this. We can be a slave to money and not realize it. Well, what are some ways, that? well, how does this happen? Well, maybe you spend that, you just realize you're just thinking about the needs that you have in your life all the time. You just can't seem to get around around them. You're just constantly focused on it. It's in your face. It's an ugly spirit. Maybe you're living in a debt umbrella. I say this, buying sometimes things we can't afford with money we don't do not have. It leads to bondage. Maybe you're being challenged in your life right now to sacrifice your character for money and other possessions. Maybe you've been replacing your worship, you're your meeting together with people because you're always so busy because you, you're, you're trying to find another, an extra this, an extra that, and you're, you're working just to, to, to get ahead and you, do, you never find that you're getting ahead. I'm telling you, mammon wants to control you. Maybe you're jealous of what other people have. Or you base your worth or your value on what you own instead of who you are. I'm here to tell you that he comes at us in many different ways. And I want you to hear what Jesus says to each and every one of us today. And here's my last thought. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus said this, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. See, Jesus knows the challenges that we are all facing today. Jesus, though, is the gentle master. He desires to release your burdens And he wants to give each person here rest today. And he places a yoke on us. Yes, it sometimes can feel like, oh, that's just like the the other forms of slavery. But Jesus says, no, 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 my yoke is different. It's easy to carry. Just let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me help you. Let me be there for you. But you got to trust me because to put a yoke on somebody, to put a a yoke on a, a situation requires trust. He's saying, would you just trust me today? I'm here to help you. Oh, you 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 think those other things are gonna but gonna help you? But that the yoke that's on you right now—it's so heavy, it's so crushing. It's robbing you of your sleep. It's so crushing. It's robbing you of your joy. It's so crushing. It's robbing you and it's breaking apart relationships. Jesus is saying, "Come back to me. Let go of that thing. Take on my yoke." Take a hold of my freedom.